You're listening to the Formation Church Podcast. Formation exists to be a safe place for hurting people to find healing relationship with Jesus. For more information about the ministry of Formation in Salt Lake City, Utah, visit our website at formationslc.com. We are spending a couple of months as a community focusing our attention on what I really believe is the single most important spiritual practice in the Christian life. We have invited Jesus to teach us to pray. Now, as we've seen, prayer is not a means of of ever trying to impress other people with our spirituality. Prayer is not primarily about us trying to nag God into doing what we want him to do, and it certainly isn't necessary for us to inform an all-knowing God about things that he already sees and understands better than even we do. No, prayer is the path that God has given us to genuine relationship with him, our perfect father. And so prayer, more than anything else, is really just about entering into a lifelong conversation with God where he leads us deeper and deeper into healing relationship with him. Now, despite the fact that prayer is relatively simple, it certainly is not easy. Like most things, it's something that we have to be taught how to do. And so thankfully, Jesus does just that in Matthew chapter 6. And so we're sitting with this very prayer that Jesus used to teach his first disciples how to pray. And as a reminder, it's just 56 words in our English translation, and it's made up of six simple petitions or requests that together cover the entire scope of human experience. And so last week, we considered the first petition, where Jesus says that we should pray, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. And we unpacked how what that really means is, is that as we learn to respond to God as the holy and the perfect heavenly Father that he is, our hearts in turn are filled with hope in the freedom and the healing that he promises. Additionally, that first petition really anchors our hearts, and the very source of this relationship. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are invited into healing relationship with the very God of the universe. Now that brings us to this second petition. So if you have a Bible this morning or an app that you like to read on, you could open back up to Matthew chapter 6. We're specifically going to look at verse 10. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, all the scripture will be on the screen. And I want to call this message God's heavenly best. And before we look at this uh, one verse in verse 10, I actually want to invite you to pray this prayer in its totality with me again. So turn your attention to the screen, and let's start here at the beginning. Pray this with me. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So remember, we are going to focus our attention this morning on verse 10, which again says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you remember from last week, what we're going to do with each of these petitions is bring three questions and allow these these prayer requests from Jesus to answer these three questions. So the first question is, what do these words say about God? If he's the source, he's the one that we pray to, we need to pay attention to what each of these requests teach us about him. 
And so to summarize it in a sentence, here's how I would put it. God is a heavenly king with a perfect kingdom. God is a heavenly king with a perfect kingdom. Now, this concept of God as a heavenly king with a perfect kingdom, that would have been a far more familiar, uh, would have been far more familiar to Jesus', Jesus Jewish listeners at the time than the idea of God as an intimate father like we talked about last week. The Jewish people at this point in history had been waiting for hundreds of years for their Messiah king to arrive and to bring his promised kingdom. Now, the problem was, for at least some, there was this really deep dissonance between their expectation on the one hand and on God's actual plan on the other. And so in general, many people in this culture were awaiting what we might call like a military messiah. And this is one of the reasons why the listening crowd in John's gospel at one point tries to take Jesus by force and to make him their king. They were waiting for a warrior king who would come and would throw off the oppressive rule of Rome so that they could finally be set free. And so their expectation makes me think about this early scene in uh, Thor, The Dark World. Most Bible stories make me think about Marvel movies. So if you haven't seen it, the Asgardians are embroiled in this battle. And this battle is not going great for them. And then all of a sudden, the rainbow bridge called Bifrost appears and Mjolnir, the hammer, you guys all know Mjolnir, right? You with me? Don't scowl at me. Some of you are like, why do I come here? <laughs> I don't know. But it comes flying out and Thor appears in all of his beautiful glory, looking oddly close to the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus that hangs in many American churches these days, <laughs> especially in Utah. And then within just moments, he and he alone puts this entire battle to an end with little to no effort. That's the whole opening scene. And in essence, this is the type of military warrior messiah that the Jewish people were waiting for at this time. Someone who would appear like a hero, lead them into battle, and throw off the chains of the Roman government. And so while they may have misunderstood the nature of how God was going to bring his kingdom to earth, they were right to see God as a king with a kingdom. And so the important thing, uh, or the thing that I think it's so important for us to see and to understand is that Jesus said that we should plead with the Father to bring his kingdom and to bring his will, notice, to earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a faith tradition that was constantly casting this vision of God's kingdom that emphasized leaving this earth and going away to a place called heaven. And there was rarely anything specific about heaven conveyed other than we were going to sing a lot, and we weren't going to be sad anymore. Now, I like to sing some, not all the time, uh, and I don't like being sad. So there's parts of that that are really, really beautiful. But as I've continued to grow and understand the scriptures more and pay closer attention, I do see two problems with this vision that in so many ways I was handed growing up. The first is I really don't think it's a biblical depiction of God's eternal kingdom. The Bible's vision of eternity isn't one of us all becoming naked baby angels who play harps in the clouds all day. The vision that John portrays in Revelation 21 is of God remaking this earth, a new creation, a new earth that's free from all of the death and the grief and the pain that poisoned his first creation. Now, the second problem is that positioning the kingdom of God is something which, to which we escape 
it misses the opportunity to prayerfully expand the kingdom of God in the here and the now. And we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. But for now, this simple petition teaches us that God is a heavenly king who rules over a perfect kingdom. Now, the second question that we're bringing to each verse is, what do these words say about us? What do these words say about us? And here again is how I would summarize it. We are subject to God's caring reign. As followers of Jesus, we are subject to God's caring reign. Now, I think that this is harder for us to functionally embrace because of the culture in which we live. In our culture, we just simply are not really accustomed to being subject to anyone. In fact, we're oftentimes conditioned to believe that we should be the kings and the queens of our own little kingdoms. No one really has any business telling us what we should or what we should not do, even God. And this is what makes that me God that we mentioned last week so attractive to so many people. Rather than live surrendered to a God who often, I don't know if you've noticed this, but just often doesn't see things or do things the way that we do, we just simply fashion a God in our own image. But as the late Tim Keller once said, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If we're going to truly embody this prayer, we have to learn to see ourselves as subject, meaning we are under God's caring reign. And so just just think about the logic of this petition here. If God is a heavenly king, which Jesus certainly says he is, that means he has a perfect kingdom, and that means that we are subject to his caring reign. If God is king, I am not. If he's king, he has authority over me. I belong to him. And the good news is he is a caring and compassionate king. And that's good news because I think one of the reasons that we resist the notion of being subject to God's reign is that there's just so much broken, poisonous, awful authority in our lives. We see the brokenness of politics. We've had leaders in our lives that have been toxic and damaging and abusive. Some of us had parents like that, so it started from birth. And so as a result, the notion of being subject to anyone or anything is very, very scary to us, understandably so. And so it's important, again, that we remember the character and nature of the God who is our king. He is good, he is kind, he is caring, and he is compassionate. And, and this is one of the most important things for us to embrace about God. Do you know that God only ever wants our best? That's his sole intention, is always our best. And that's so critical for us to keep in mind when it comes to his commands that are contained in Scripture. Because again, oftentimes, we resist the commands of Scripture. And so the problem is more and more, we, we tend to view the Scriptures as like some sort of divine suggestion box from God. Now, they are less common today, but there was a time when almost every business seemed to have like a literal box somewhere on the premises And they invited people to write down and then deposit suggestions on how they could do better. Now, the business was in no way obligated to respond to them. They were just simply suggestions. And oftentimes, that's how we're prone to view the scriptures. It's like God has written down some suggestions for how we can be better. And we are free, in turn, to take what we want and just simply ignore what we don't. But the problem with that is that God doesn't intend the scriptures. 
as open-handed suggestions in our lives. They are his caring commands. Remember, God created you and I. And as our designer, God created a way in which we flourish. And when we ignore that way, we simply don't. Now, that being said, we have to understand that the commands of God in Scripture are about our care, not about control. God isn't some petulant puppeteer pulling the strings in our lives according to his random whims. Remember, he is for us. He actually wants us to flourish. He longs for our peace. He longs for our joy, so much so that Jesus laid down his own life to make that possible for us. And so here's what this means. Sin is, when the Bible talks about sin, in the most basic sense, it is actually rebellion against God's care for us. But because of God's intention toward us, rebellion against God is rebellion against our own good. So in that sense, sin is self-harm. Sin is choosing suffering. It's choosing pain. It's choosing confusion. It's choosing hurt. Because the commands of God are always and only for our care, sin is self-harm. Because the Father is a heavenly king with a perfect kingdom, we are subject to his caring reign. And that brings us to the third and the final question. How might we more faithfully pray like this? And here's the answer to that. We pray for the capacity to be what I want to call a kingdom echo. We are praying for the capacity to be a kingdom echo. Now, just before we break down what that means, we really have to understand what the kingdom of God is. Because that is, if there is one overarching message that Jesus in the Gospels comes preaching, it's the kingdom of God. He talks about it more than he talks about anything else. And so it's pretty important that we understand what the kingdom of God actually is. Now, there's a pastor named Jeremy Treat who wrote a book on this subject, and he summarizes God's kingdom like this. He summarizes it as God's reign through God's people over God's place. Those three things, okay? God's reign through God's people over God's place. God's reign through God's people over God's place. So in this sense, the kingdom is present every single place that God reigns. And so theologians will talk about the kingdom of God in the context of what many refer to as the already and the not yet, which is a very important concept for us to understand. Because on the one hand, Jesus inaugurated, meaning he initiated the kingdom of God in his life, his death, and his resurrection. So on the one hand, the kingdom of God has already come. In and through Jesus, the kingdom has come. Forgiveness and redemption and healing have already come, which means that as followers of Jesus, we should be a people that are marked by a deep and profound sense of hope because Jesus has already put his kingdom in motion. Do you know that all of those miracles that Jesus does in the New Testament They are more than about just feeding those 5,000 hungry people. They're about more than just healing a leper here and there. They're about more than walking on water so that his disciples think he's cool. There was a higher purpose that Jesus had in all of that. Each of those miracles was meant to be a sign of his power to reverse 
everything that had gone wrong. So Jesus comes and performs these, he preaches this message, the kingdom of God has come, which means that a great reversal is taking place, and then he performs these miracles, and people go, whoa, look, it's really happening. Look at what Jesus can do. And he can still do that. So we can be a people of hope. Jesus' kingdom has already come, and our lives and this world still wait for the full consummation of God's kingdom to come. We don't live in the new earth. I don't know if you've noticed that. It would really be a sucky one if we were already there. We don't live in the new earth yet. We still live in the old. And as a result of that, a huge sum of what happens inside of us and a huge sum of what happens in this world is an act of rebellion against God's caring reign. So the question is, what does this mean for us? as followers of Jesus, to be a kingdom echo? Well, I think we all know what an echo is. An echo is a sound reflection that occurs when sound waves bounce off of a surface and then return to the listener. And so it creates this repetition of the original sound, but oftentimes with a slight delay because of the distance between the source and that reflecting surface. So if you stand in a cave and you shout, The sound wave bounces off the walls, and then you hear it reflected back. And I think that that's a really great picture of what we're after in this prayer. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we aren't asking God to whisk us away to another place. We aren't even just asking God to usher in a new creation. We're asking God our Father and King of heaven to reign right now, right here, in and through us. God has lifted his voice in and through Jesus in the scriptures and said, this is who you are. This is who I have created you to be. This is the way I have designed you to flourish. And as we bring our hearts and minds and our lives into alignment with his way, by his grace, with the help of his spirit, we echo back his kingdom. We are a reflection of his reign on this earth. And more than anything else, this is what our world needs. This is what our country needs. This is what our city needs. This is what our church needs. This is Jesus' vision and dream for us, that we would be a kingdom echo every single place that he places us. And so here is our big idea. When we pray, your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what's happening. We beg God to bring his heavenly best to our earthly experience. Not just at some point in the future, but right now. We beg God to bring his heavenly best to our earthly experience. The kingdom of God isn't just something that we anticipate in the future. It's a reality that Jesus is inviting us into right now. And so here's here's the question that I want to invite you to bring to the Holy Spirit this week. The question is this, where can I be a kingdom echo this week? I'm going to actually give you a moment in just a second to reflect on that question and to bring that to the Holy Spirit. But throughout this week, each day, sit and ask the Spirit, where can I be a kingdom echo this week? Just this morning, I was reading in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and the Apostle Paul writes to this young pastor, and one of the things that he tells him 
is to train yourself in godliness. So I was sitting this morning, what, what does that mean exactly? And as I sat and I prayed about that, I was thinking about how every moment is filled with formational opportunity. Every moment. Every moment we find ourselves in, every interaction we have, every point of stress, every point of anxiety, every point of dis- every single moment is filled with opportunity for us to be more like God. And that is really at the heart of this question. Where can I be a kingdom echo this week? Where can I choose the godly way, the godly thought, the godly response to whatever it is that I'm experiencing? One of the things that we have to really get our hearts around is that the people of God, people like you and I, who have surrendered our lives to follow Jesus, we are a critical means through which the kingdom of God comes to earth. So where does he want to use you as a kingdom echo this week? He for sure wants you to act in love. He for sure wants you to trust him in everything. He for sure wants you to take up a posture of service toward those around you. But maybe there's something a bit more specific for you. Maybe there is an attitude or a behavior in your life that you know is just clearly out of step with God's will for you. Maybe you have done something to cause a rupture in a relationship that he wants to help you actually repair. Maybe there's something good and beautiful that he's inviting you to do or to create this week. Maybe there's some specific way that he is inviting you to be with him Maybe there's a way that he wants to use you to care for the world or to care for the people who are around you. Where does God want you to be a kingdom echo this week? Let's beg God together to bring his heavenly best to our earthly experience this week. Will you pray with me? Bow your heads. Please. That sounded very commanding. I apologize. Lord, I thank you for each and every one of these people. I thank you that your heart is for us, that your intention in everything that you call us to, everything that you say to us, everything that you're doing in and around us, your intention is for our best so that we could experience the abundant life that Jesus gave his life to make ours. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bring your heavenly best to every moment of our earthly experience this week. Spirit, we acknowledge that that you desire to give us wisdom. You desire to give us discernment. You want to help us find your heart for questions like this. And so, Lord, we come to you now and we ask that you would help us be able to understand some very specific ways in which you want us to be an echo of your kingdom on this earth this week. So would you speak to us now in Jesus' name?